Welcome to the Holistic Wealth Podcast. I'm your host, Keisha Blair, wife, mother of three, author of Holistic Wealth, and founder of the Institute on Holistic Wealth. The show will showcase various experts in the key pillars of holistic wealth. Each week, we deliver the best information on how to become holistically wealthy and live your best life. Today, I have two very, very special guests with me, and that's Elena and Faven from 241 Cosmetics. They're co-CEOs and founders. They are sisters, best friends, and just amazing ladies. Welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you. We're We're honored, Keisha. I know, we're so excited. So am I. I'm just so looking forward to hearing the story and everything. So guys, I want to hear how the brand started and like the journey, because I know you guys were political refugees. And I just want to hear about that journey to the U.S. and how the brand and the company got started. That is a loaded question. (laughs) Oh, no, it's great. As you mentioned, hi, it's Helena. We're political refugees from a tiny country in East Africa called Eritrea. Um, And we were born in a refugee camp in Sudan. And around two years old, basically granted asylum and got to come to upstate New York, to Rochester, New York. So they talk about culture shock, but we joke around. I'm like, there should be weather shock too, because just getting to from a desert to just ice was pretty, that's just a whole book in itself. Keisha, what's interesting is that when people ask our story, and I always say our story began before we were ever born. So our mother and our father actually walked from Eritrea to a refugee camp in Sudan. And I asked my father one day what that was like. And he said, you know, because Helene and I are based in Los Angeles. He said, it's like walking from L.A. to San Francisco. Wow. And that's very far. Yes. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, it took us a couple of months, but we got there. A couple of months. Yeah. Because they, they had to walk. It's a long, it's a long, long distance. Wow. But we carry this story with us because it just really just applies to our DNA and that this idea that being resilient and just having that endurance is in our bloodline. And you need to have both of those qualities to be an entrepreneur. Absolutely. And that's what drew me to your story so much because that level of resilience and just the strength, the sheer strength that it takes to do that and to become an entrepreneur So can you tell me how the brand and the business started? Well, Helena and I have always had, you know, this entrepreneurial, I would say, drive within us. Actually, we were raised in upstate New York, Rochester, New York. And um, we actually were doing makeovers on our friends around like, well, how old are we? Eight years old. And it was just a way for us to forge new friendships because the neighborhood was predominantly white and we were these Eritrean immigrants. Right. So it was our way. So we would just, you know, like we were doing these makeovers and charging people, you know, fake money. It wasn't real money. You know what I mean? It was was like lollipops. Yeah. You know what I mean? There was some some form of currency, but not really involved. But but it was just our way of just, you know, like forging these friendships and connecting with these little girls in the neighborhoods because we felt like we didn't fit in. Isn't that interesting? Especially when we look at the beauty space and landscape. It isn't, you know, Lynn and I have always been about inclusivity, even as little girls, literally. Mm-hmm. So it, just as uh, when we were little, we would do these makeovers, but then also we would look at our mother. Our yes. mother was a housekeeper and she worked actually had multiple jobs. 
growing up in a nurse's assistant, a housekeeper in the church that we grew up in that sponsored us. It was Third Presbyterian Church in Rochester, New York. And our father was, when we first came to the U.S., was the janitor. So he went from being this political, revered political figure in um, Eritrea and the front, literally leader in the front line um, to a janitor. And then you just kind of, that taught us essentially humility and doing what you need to do to really rise and to the occasion in America was no small feat whatsoever. You had to learn a new language and, and things like that. Um, so our mother used to wear her lipstick and it was her weights of, it was really a coat of armor in a, in a way just to, to, to just make her feel more like here I am. And we just remember those moments when we were younger. It's like makeup is not something that's just a very shallow or frivolous a, thing. a frivolous thing. It's something that is, a is a healthy form of self-love really yeah. and um, an acknowledgement yeah but i just wanted to add to what helena was saying that it, it's so true so when we did come to the united states our mother was the housekeeper and our father was a janitor of the church that sponsored us and helena's absolutely right i i do you know we have these moments we remember our mother putting on her lipstick and it was her way of saying hey i'm here you know hello world and then um you know as we got older it was incredible to see our parents um, excel in, in their professions. And then my dad also, um, he got his master's in public administration. So they're the best examples of, you know, the people that have used the system in the best way and are the best examples to us of the American dream. Yeah, no, that's, that's so awesome. And especially how you describe your mom and, you know, what lipstick meant to her, which is just amazing for so many women. And it really does. You guys mentioned that the company is 100% bootstrapped. And so I just want to talk a bit about that because I know so many Black women and for so many women, you know, in general, it's so hard to get funding. And so for many of us, that's the route we end up going. Can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah. Well, well, Helena could definitely answer that, but I just want to say something because she said this to me one day and made me laugh. She's like, um, Seven, we don't even have a boot to strap. I mean, that's I have to talk about. No, in the startup world, you start learning different words they use to communicate. And I think that's so funny to to refer to things as scrappy and bootstrapping. I turned to them and I said, we don't even have a boot to strap. Like, we just don't have any. But we have our morals. We have our integrity. We have um, resources. We have, we have this ability to be very resourceful. And definitely something that we learned growing up. It's very hard to self-fund, especially when you look at, well, that was our only, first of all, let me just say this very plainly. That was our final, and that should have been our first, our first uh, method of, of really launching 241 because it was us constantly pitching to investors about a beauty brand. And they kind of look at us like, oh, okay. Like what you're going to show us another beauty brand? Tell us what, why like space is oversaturated. What makes you so different? And we would always give our well. We want to be the brand that we want to see in the world, and we don't see this and that. And and then it just became very tiring to constantly prove your value to someone who doesn't see your value. And that was and it was just very taxing on our soul and our and our heart. And if you look at the stats, it's pretty alarming how we're yeah, yeah women of color are largely they're not funded at all. I mean, if any. And so then Fab and I kind of looked at each other we're like, okay, instead of focusing on the stat, let's focus on, on our story. Let's focus on what we can do as founders and how we can connect to women like yourself, Keisha, and who have an interest, a vested interest in us like we do. It's an even exchange here. 
Fabi can, um, you know, explain our list of no's. And oh, yes, Keisha. We had, um, <laughs> you know, I think 0.2% of venture funding goes to women of color, which to me is just it's alarming. Day, it's alarming and also bad business because women of color outspend <laughs> people that are not black, that are, you know what I mean? So I think, I think, like right, 10 times. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, nine, nine times, times more. Nine times. Can you believe that? So we have spending power here. So at the end of the day, it's just bad business. But that's, that, you know, I'll get to that point later. Mm-hmm. But so initially we went to raise funds um, with a, right. we had a previous startup before and we have an Excel spread of, I think, 71 no's. And we decided to dissolve that company because it came down to just that we had another founder and it just came down to the team not aligning. And so Helena and I, two weeks later, came up with two for one cosmetics. So once we dissolved that company, we worked on that company for about three years. Two weeks later, we came up with two for one cosmetics and it was just really simple because we had learned from our failures, we were like, okay, well, what are we passionate about? And the it really is empowering women, but also Helene and I really do appreciate makeup. We don't see cosmetics or the yeah. beauty space as a frivolous thing. So we started focusing our energy on that space. And then as we, you know, we kind of dived in and we're looking at the landscape, we realized that a lot of the people are making decisions don't look like that. Right. And also the options that we see, at, you know, you know, huge conglomerates, that offer these, they don't really speak to people like us. Right. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. And, and, the, and the products don't work for us. <laughs> and um, so we have a blog called Fevin and Helena and the most popular or more most um, engaging section or category on our site, which it was focused on food, fashion, decor, and more happened to be beauty. So it was always like, Oh, how do you guys do your eyeliner? How do you, what do you do for your skin? Uh, what that, what kind of things do you eat? Because beauty actually starts from the inside. It actually starts with your gut health, and then it goes, you know, and then it goes on beyond. But it was just something that was a natural thing for us to discuss with uh, people. And we have an inside joke that Fab and I. It's a, ta- it's um, I don't know if it's a joke, but it's a philosophy. It says, "Don't let the eyeliner fool you." And it's oftentimes people are always commenting on our eyeliner, and it was our way of saying like. Don't let the island, don't, don't get this twisted. We, we are resourceful. We are, we are smart. I think we have to positive affirmations here. So we're very bright uh, women and there's so many of us and we have to, own, we have to stand in our strength, honestly. Yeah. And also don't let the island fool you is, um, it, it's a play. It was really the idea that beauty is not something to us that is just this vacuous thing. It's not this only the exterior. It's also the interior, you know, inside what you have, but um, it's brains and beauty. So our, our brand philosophy, you know, two for one is about enhancing the beauty that you already have, but also it's about empowering women to be both. You can be both. You can be brains and beauty. Keisha, do you know the story behind two for one cosmetics and like the name? I don't. If you could share it, that would be great. So two for one cosmetics is a play on words. Growing up as twins, uh, people will constantly ask us, are you guys two for F-O-R-1? No, it <laughs> And I was like, are you two for one? And my dad thought that was a really unhealthy question for them to ask. And, um, you know, he was like, absolutely not. There is no discount on your self-worth. Your mother did have one pregnancy and she gave birth to twins, which by the way, our mother had no idea she was having twins. He said, can you wow. believe that? She had no clue. Awesome. Yeah, she did. Isn't that amazing? She had no idea. So I came out first and then Helena came out 15 minutes wow. later in this tiny cut. In, in Gibra, Sudan. That's just unbelievable. With no medicine to alleviate the pain. Unbelievable. And so she went through that natural birth in the hut, no medication, no no doctors around, no 
No support. There's a midwife and our father standing outside of the hut. We were born in a hut made of mud and grass. Such an amazing story. And our mother, by the way, is tiny. She's only five feet, maybe like a hundred and I don't know, 15, 20 pounds when she had us. And I'm visualizing because I'm a very visual person. So as you guys are speaking, I'm, I'm visualizing the hut. I'm visualizing her at 115 pounds. And, and I know when I gave birth, what that was like, and I had a, you know, a ton of folks around me and I can't, you know, it's unbelievable. Yes. I mean, it is. And in the dark, that's another thing. I always think about my brothers. It was in the dark. Yes. Yes. Right. All we have is candlelight at that point. Can you, at that time. And our mother is the, the greatest example of strength. I mean, the fact that she did that and she survived is unreal. And she's definitely a faith-based person. And it, it makes you look at things and you just, you know, life is truly a gift, right? It is. It is. As you guys know, I know all too well. Absolutely a gift. Uh, Your story is so inspiring to us. Yeah, I, I know. And I, to be honest with you, sometimes, as I'm sure you feel sometimes and, and your, your mother to your parents, that sometimes it, it just feels like, you know, surreal because of where you're coming from and the hurdles that you've had to jump through. And so I wanted to ask too about how you guys did it in terms of bootstrapping and, and deciding either to use your savings or other funds that you had put aside and and how did you come to that decision and deciding to just go full force ahead with that? Well, we didn't really have a choice because no one wanted, we had, you know, two people want to invest, but they weren't the right fit. And then one of them was uh, somebody that I knew personally that I just felt if, if I took his money, it's Helena, I would be just, I feel like he would cloud my vision and my self-esteem throughout the process. So Fab and I looked at each other and we thought, okay, how can we... How about we take the bet on ourselves? Because essentially you're taking a bet. I made a very, and I will say it, foolish mistake where I had a full-time position and then I quit it full-time. I quit just as like, I quit this full-time job to focus on this other company that was a sinking ship, quite honestly. It had, it was very exciting and it was good, but um, I shouldn't have quit. To me, I, I think it was naive and uh, of me to just, you know, quit a job where I had benefits, 401ks, you know, I, I was vested. Um, healthcare, we had, we, you did, in America, you, you have to pay for healthcare. Mm-hmm. So, so it's a great thing when you have a position when you can do that. I learned really that you can do both until you can't do both, uh, meaning that you can do a full-time job um, and start a company until the company can pay for itself and eventually pay you. Bev and I don't pay ourselves. We, we put all our money into, into the company still. Uh, so we took our savings, very specific. We took our savings and then we um, took on some jobs. Um, some Fem took on some design work. We actually uh, designed um, the late, great Nipsey Hussle's co-working space in, um, in Crenshaw District. So we did that. And then I also I work full time as well now during this pandemic and also do... Uh, two for one, but, and, and that two for one is my, this, that's my bet. That's me saying, this is my contribution to this world. It's my sister and I together, um, building something that we, we don't see and products that we absolutely love, but in order to cut, you know, to really just cut through all the noise, we've been focusing on the story of who we are. We, we don't go on holidays. We don't go on vacations. 
we put the vacation on layaway, if you will, and we put all the money towards the business. Yeah, lots of delayed gratification. Um, but I have to say that, I mean, I have a support system at home. So I have a husband who supports me. Helena took on a full-time job and then I took um, I, I took design jobs to fund our Interior. Business. Yeah, so I would design incredible properties in Los Angeles. And it's funny because I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to work one day. I'm not work, I should say. I'm going to get that house one day too. But for now, I'm going to design it. <laughs> that's amazing, you know, because that's the dilemma that so many entrepreneurs face is, you know, do I quit the job? Do I stay on? Can I manage both, especially if kids involved or some other obligations? And so it's interesting to hear how you guys make it work. I think that's very interesting for others who are listening in and they want to know how you did it and how they can possibly even attempt to start because so many, for so many people, especially during COVID, who've lost their jobs or who've been downsized, they're thinking about the next step. How do I pivot and how do I get started? And for so many, and I talk about this in my book, Holistic Wealth as well, you know, it's taking the risk. And for so many, it's a big barrier, even to just jump over that hoop to use the savings, you know, especially in... Oh, exactly. And it's okay to start off small. I think that sometimes people are intimidated even by the word risk. People need to know that that you can do slow and steady. I firmly believe will win the race at the end of the day. Also being like strategic about when you're building something, uh, where you spend. So we put a lot of our money into the actual product and then product photography. Helena and I actually take do all of the social... We wrote all of the website copy ourselves and we came up with the creative vision. So we didn't have to outsource or spend money in that sense. We, you know, we really tapped into our own resources. Yeah. And I should say something as well, because you mentioned kids. Helena says this jokingly. She's like, can we talk about egg egg equity? Actually, I was going to jump in. Helena's going to talk about egg equity. (laughs) I was literally about to jump in there because I applaud women who, you guys actually inspire me to be able to do both. I actually told a friend of mine, I said, well, two for one is not a child. It's not an actual life. Um, so I bet she inspires me because she juggles so much. And my mother juggled so much with, with my father, of course, that they did it together. But I thought if they came to America, hadn't learned a different language, a new language, and just clawed their way. We saw from this very primitive lifestyle to now they live a very you know comfortable lifestyle, then they're really great examples to us. Our parents really help us and they navigated this idea of dreaming for us, I would say. I think that you have to silence the noise around you and just spend as little time on social media. Because I think social media gives, especially um, with our generation, gives this false idea of what an entrepreneur is. You know, it's not somebody who's like immediately going to get verified on Instagram and like see, you know, with like aviators and near a Porsche and like some, you know, photo op. It's not that, you know, stepping out. It's not a staged photo. There's a falseness to that. And it's actually like Fem and I, we very much trim the fat. Someone actually said something to us from a very prestigious school. Um, and he said, they don't have to go to grad school for a business because they just know things inherently. And I thought, Fem said it once, she's like, well, life is your the best teacher. I mean, life is really the greatest gift and the best teacher. And although we're not graduate from colleges, yeah. Yeah, graduate school, I was saying. Yeah. yeah, so we have an undergraduate uh, degree, but from a uh, business school is a different. Yeah. Fabian's degree is not business and mine is not business at all. Yeah. But taking your money is scary. I actually pulled money from my 401k. I cashed down my 401k in my previous um, venture, not two for one. 
And I'm telling you, it was the silliest move ever. I quit and then I went all out. My heart, my gut, I knew it wasn't the right company. And I just did all of that because I thought that's what I was supposed to be doing. Because I got this idea of what an entrepreneur is. And then I started looking at the people who were telling me, who were telling me what an entrepreneur is. And I'm like, I don't those want are, that. Yeah, and that's, yeah, those are, you don't know my life. And you don't yeah. know your life. No, that's, that's so interesting. There's so much there. That's so much wisdom in, in those statements. I made a joke one time. I said, Femin, you know, they talk about sweat equity in the startup space. I'm like, but what about egg equity? Because and women, women risk a lot more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everything. Like fertility. Yeah. Like, can we talk about that? Like we, uh, we want to have children. We want to have babies one day. And um, I'm letting at this point, God, let's do your thing. Yeah. But it's, 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 it's exactly. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. It, it's just funny. Cause I'm like, there is, cause you're like, okay, our bodies, there is a, it feels like a ticking time bomb in your uterus. <laughs> and then you're trying to do this company. And if you don't have kids, it's just like, it's a lot of things to juggle. Yeah. That's so true for women. There's just so much more to consider and some of it I even talk about in my book when I had to give up so much after my husband died. I really burned some career equity there when I decided to take a one-year sabbatical to look after my kids. I had no choice though anyway, right? Because one was born eight weeks after my husband died and the other one was just three years old and I was suddenly a single mom and had to figure out what were my next steps. So definitely for women, there's so many things that we have to think about and to juggle. And yes, once kids are in the picture too, and even before, it's a lot of thinking through what the best move is at the best time. Because as you mentioned, you know, where we have a time associated with all these decisions. And I wanted to ask you about the path to Oprah and how that happened. There was this other entrepreneur, she was so amazing that I interviewed. And she said to me in terms of her marketing and branding, that you know how sometimes as entrepreneurs, we look at these big social media accounts and we think we should go all out to try to attract those people to get on those accounts because then we'll get more attention on our products. But she said that what worked for her was local micro influencers for spreading the word about her brand. And so I wanted to ask you guys if in your marketing strategy or in your branding, you had that focus and if you had reached out to influencers and what was your experience with that? I have friends that are influencers and I have a lot of respect for what they do, but personally that was um, not our route mm-hmm. or our strategy. I would say one of the things I'm most proud of about our business is that we're incredibly authentic. And so we came from, our marketing strategy was more from an organic perspective. Our mentor, Bobby Brown, recently validated our instincts because she said it herself. She was like, you guys have to move slow and steady, but also she's like organic, organic, organic. Because when you build authentic relationships with customers, it's not about having this huge social media platform, but actually having quality people that, and quality relationships. So there's a term micro-influencers, and then there's also another term called nano-influencers. And that's more of the 10K and above. So we have a combination of those two people uh, or two targeted groups, um, but primarily Instagram has been our method of connecting with those influencers or those people. But the short answer is Feminine and I don't pay, we do not, zero dollars doing any uh, product integration or any ads with influencers. 
it's almost like the Mary Kay route, but through social media where women will tell their friends about our products. And that's that. Like It's really that. It's, it's word of mouth. That's amazing to know, too. When I think that's also a good strategy, because so many times people think that, oh, with a certain kind of business, I'm going to have to do influencer marketing. And how do I establish a budget for that? You know, and, and all of that pressure that we put on ourselves, that's sometimes unnecessary. I've seen a few influencers who, I mean, they're pushing maybe 10 different products a week. And um, it's just, it's hard for me to trust the yeah. consumer to trust them. So when Helene and I were literally like, we actually took ourselves off of social media for four months to really um, focus on our brand strategy. And uh, we decided that it was going to be, as Helena said, our, our strategy is about a feeling and it's about creating premium products, but also that woman with a feeling of being seen, of being valued, of being heard. So that was our marketing strategy was, you know, making her feel acknowledged. And so can you tell us a bit about how you got on the list and the process and how it happened with Oprah's team? You create a quality product, create a quality brand that other people want to know about. That's actually how you're going to attract people like Oprah Winfrey. That's how you're going to attract Bobby Brown. Bobby Brown actually saw us and mentor us. And we met her through Instagram and she says, I, what are you guys doing? I want to know more. And then she's like, I, can I mentor you? I mean, so it became something about like almost like a spiritual journey in a way where we were really feeling aligned and we took ourselves off of social media to really cut out the noise. Beauty to us is actually a meditative process. It's the one time that you get to spend looking at yourself in a mirror in an unfiltered version and what are you actually saying to yourself? Because we're constantly talking to ourselves, whether we know it or not. And so we were very, very intentional about the names, role model, muse. Like you are all of those. You are a role model. You are a muse. You are, if I was just redemption is one of my favorites. <laughs> redemption. It's just all, all of that. So again, people will come when you have good things, yes. like when you actually have quality things. Um, and I want to add, because you asked um, how we got on Oprah's favorite things list. And I'm, I'm presuming you're a spiritual person. We're spiritual people, right? Yes. Um, so before we actually launched our website, like Helena mentioned, we got off of Instagram. And you want to know the one audio book we played in the background when we were writing the copy for Two for One Cosmetics? Want to know what it is? I have an idea. What? I know it's one of Oprah's. Yeah, what do you think it is? <laughs> I can't remember the title, but I did see it on your Instagram. So I know it's, it's one of hers. So the one audio book we had in the background was Oprah Winfrey's What I Know For Sure. Wow. Isn't that incredible? So It is incredible. I mean, isn't, I mean, God is so good and I really, life is always speaking to you and it's up to us to actually listen. And I was sitting there, Helena was like, okay, because Helena named all the products and, you know, we were writing the, the copies together and I just heard Oprah's voice in my head for role model. You are the most influential person you're going to meet. Oh my gosh. That is just unbelievable. So then I think a year later, because of what was happening around, um, you Black know, Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter movement, we were getting picked up by, you know, publications like Allure. We had a feature in InStyle magazine, you know, Bobby Brown reached out to mentor us. And it was, it was like a spiraling, you know, kind of like a perfect storm as you will, because literally July, 
that July, when that Insta article was um, came out, came out, we got an email from a Born Free's team asking to feature us. We didn't know it was going to be for her favorite thing. Wow. And then it ended up being something that we actually collaborated on with Oprah with. These colors were all collaboration with Oprah herself. That's awesome. The colors are glorious. They, they're just divine. They look so good. And you know what, guys? This is how it came up. You know, this whole personal financial identities framework, it's coming out of my book, Holistic Wealth, because I'll tell you what, after my husband died, I realized that I had only partially embraced mine. And I realized that if I had fully embraced it, I could do so much more. I could have been so much more confident in my money decisions. And so I got to thinking after the book was published, because readers kept texting me on Instagram. So what's the personal financial identity thing all about? And so that's how I came up with this quiz and, and the four categories, because I knew in my heart he was a minimalist. And I figured I was more of a risk taker, but I, I just couldn't put my hands on it. So after lots of thinking, I came up with this. And so I'm happy to hear your results and to hear what you guys think, because it's so exciting about your brand and it's so gorgeous. So like, can you tell us about your results and what you think of, of those results? We both got the minimalist result. Isn't that interesting? It is interesting. Yeah. Well, you said your husband had he was a minimalist. He was, what makes sense? I, what made, before I answer your question, what made you think that you, did you take the test yourself? You know what? I did multiple times, took the test multiple times. I came up with it. And you know, what's funny. I used his profile to come up with a minimalist profile because he is that to a T and I've always known it. We've never discussed it though. So even when he was alive, we never discussed it, but I just knew because he was, you know, that mantra that I have in the quiz for the minimalist, just a simple life, clean, simple life. That's what he was. And so that's exactly how I came up with that. And it's so interesting. I want to hear more about what you guys think about that and how that's translated into your brand and in your life and your business. It made a, it made so much sense that we were the minimalist because Helene and I look at beauty and if you look at our beauty routine, mm -hmm. it's actually quite simple. And simple doesn't, simple's not a bad thing, by the way. I only asked what, if, what your results were because to be an entrepreneur, you have to be a, a risk taker, right? So there's a component to that. But I would argue that to be a successful entrepreneur, you have to trim the fat on a lot of things. And with what we had to do at Two for One, because we were not, uh, we didn't have the luxury of getting a ton of money and just, you know, trying this product out and this product out and like this, that, and the other. We have to be very precise and clear. It, it has transcended in how we live our lives as well. I like that one of your questions was something about lavish vacation. I'm like, what does that mean? <laughs> what, exactly, what does that mean? But I mean, Fevin does travel, you know, a lot with her husband, but, but, but even so, but yeah, it technically is a vacation, Sometimes. but I only say, um, but when they're going, they're going to Africa. It's not like they're, you know, taking a trip to, you know, I'm, I'm saying yeah, like, it's, it's more meaningful. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you're saying. It's but, more so, work related. Yeah. yeah so well, Fevin and I were much more particular about our finances. Like we treat our everything like they're gold. It took me a long time to replace my uh, my MacBook Pro now I have a new one but I I had to learn how to save and I, I think it goes really comes down to we grew up with not very much 
And now we have a, a different lifestyle now, but those things don't really leave you. Like our father always went straight to the sales rack. And that's something that my sister and I still do. You can still be, you could be a minimalist with awesome style and you and really just be, to us, it's being consistent and being but, classic. But also taste is not synonymous with cost. And so when I saw that, I was like, I was a minimalist. I'm like, okay, well, it makes sense because I'm not going to spend recklessly. I, recklessly and I, yeah. yeah. And Helen and I, I believe that taste is something that, you know, not only cannot be taught, but can't be bought. So it makes sense to me why we were the minimalist. Yeah. Oh, and another thing is that I think it was funny because I was watching a documentary earlier and I literally was talking to Fevin about this documentary. Three days ago. And that, but right before I took the exam, your your pop quiz, not your exam, your quiz, I told Fevin, I go, oh my gosh, I, um, Fevin, what was I just telling you about this morning? No, right before. Yeah. And it was, it was it, the documentary is called yes. Minimalism. Yes, on Netflix. I watched it a couple of days ago too. Yeah. You know I just watched it a couple of days ago. Exactly. That's a sign I got to watch it now. And, and I got that. There's so much stuff going on in the world. And if you look at Fevin, uh, our products, we don't have an overflowing amount of products where you're like, oh my God, we have a tyranny of choices. Keisha, what did you think that we were going to be? I don't know. I looked at the website. I looked at the products and they look rich. They do. And, and the quality is there. And I thought you guys would have been maximalists, not because... I am associating that with like spending a lot or going, you know, overboard, but just because of the quality that I saw coming out with the products, because I've had experience because so many, so many entrepreneurs have taken the quiz now. And that's kind of like a trend I've seen with some of the maximalists. And of course, like I'm still, you know, getting people to do the quiz so I can get insights too, because it's so interesting for me to get back these insights, especially from entrepreneurs. But you know what, though? When you said you were a minimalist, I saw, like, I had the picture of the products and everything in my head. And I said, yeah, I, I can totally see that. And I can definitely, definitely see how your background and your story just lends itself to that. So, I mean, either way, it's great. It's amazing. I was I was wondering if the two of you would be the same and if you are different as business partners, how that would work and, and what was the dynamic. So that's always been of interest to me. And so that's why I wanted to know. But to know that the two of you are the same, which is amazing. And for business, too, it must be so seamless. because Seamless, but we go back and forth on certain things, though, for sure. What, what's so great about what we can do as Fem and I can do together is that we make decisions quick. And I think that's a thing that entrepreneurs need to be aware of. You have to make decisions and you have to move quick because that's actually your competitive edge from bigger companies who have a big room of, you know, C-suites and CEOs. They take, it takes a lot to make a decision to get it going. With us, it's just the two of us and we hire, um, we hire and other people to help build up the site, photography, all of that stuff. But when it comes to day-to-day decision, Fem and I are so quick that we tend to move quicker, even with Oprah's favorite things. And it was such a dream. I honestly, it's still kind of unreal. That feels surreal. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so, so surreal. And the fact <laughs> that she, she even has this beautiful quote about us. And that's just incredible. She acknowledged our country. I just want to end on something though, with whoever is listening to this podcast, it's can be a scary thing to be an entrepreneur or to, but you can do both. I keep stressing that. I feel like Sarah Blakely from Spanx, we saw this 
amazing masterclass with her. I don't know if you subscribe to masterclass, but hers was incredible. And she said something that I just haven't, you know, it's just so important to, to the journey. And she says that you can do both until you can't do both because she was doing Spanx. I mean, you know, she's, she owns it 100% still. And she was selling fax machines. She's going door to door. And she was, that's how she was actually paying for her company. But the second thing that she said was that no one wants to get rich low. And that's something that Warren Buffett said. And just there's this idea of like, you're going to be a billion dollar company in three years. I think that idea is kind of dangerous. And I really, really encourage people to, to, to think slower when it comes to the successes of being an entrepreneur. Yeah, wise words. And I totally agree. And it's something that I think we all have to be mindful about because we see these success stories in the media, right? And we don't see the work that goes be- behind that. We don't see the years of struggle, years and years and years of, you know, sacrifice. And sometimes it's a distortion too when people look on and they're like, oh, I, I wonder if, because, you know, I've started my business, but I wonder if things aren't going right for me because look at the success this person had over there. So I think that's that's really good advice. And I just want to thank you both for being here, for sharing your insights again. It's been amazing. And before we go, just can you tell the audience where to find you, your website, and social media? Yes, you can find us at 241cosmetics.com. Awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. And our Instagram is at 241cosmetics. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. You guys are so amazing. So amazing. Thank you so much for being on the show. You guys are amazing. Thank you. You are a light. Thank you so much for your strength and your resilience and for this opportunity. Yes, thank you. And continue success to you. Thank you so much. You guys are so amazing. Thank you. Thank you for joining us this week on Holistic Wealth with Keisha Blair. Make sure to visit our website, KeishaBlair.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or via RSS, so you will never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes, or if you simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Are you a member of the Institute on Holistic Wealth? If not, what are you waiting for? Go to Institute on Holistic Wealth slash memberships to choose your membership plan and join. As a member, you get so many perks free worksheets, advice, coaching, and a member's workshop to design an intentionally designed life. You need to figure out your life purpose? Take the Build Your Life Purpose Portfolio online self-paced course. You're struggling with all your money decisions? Take the free financial identities quiz and then take the course. You recently had a breakup, job loss, or experienced the death of a loved one? Take the holistic healing course. You need an overall plan to achieve holistic wealth? We will help you figure out your holistic wealth blueprint. And of course, if you want to start making money by helping others achieve holistic wealth, become a certified holistic wealth consultant. Regardless of what career you've got, the Institute will show you how to increase your income and walk in your purpose. The sooner you join, the sooner you start to achieve a more holistically wealthy lifestyle. And you're going to want to stay for a very long time. So go to Institute on Holistic Wealth slash memberships to join. If you haven't read the book yet, pick up a copy of the award-winning, best-selling Holistic Wealth 
32 life lessons to help you find purpose, prosperity, and happiness.